Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design Franchise, here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, we actually have one of the industry stars with us. Uh, that would be Rolf Seger, who I'm sure you know is the founder of Seger Microcontroller. How you doing, Rolf? Hi, Rich. I'm doing excellent. Good morning. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the flowers of the industry stars. Seems like a little exaggerated, but I'll take it. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to say you're old, but you've been around for a long time and you've seen a lot of things. And, and, I, and I want to ask you about that. But before we do, just a, a little quirk on my end. The name of the company is Seger Microcontroller and you guys don't sell microcontrollers. What's up with that? Well, um, we sell everything around microcontrollers, right? So we sell uh, the software you need, the development tools, the debug probes, the flash, so, um, the flash programmers. So that's why it's called Sega Microcontroller. It's basically, it's more a historical thing. Um, well, I think it's still a good name. Okay. But I mean, more appropriately, it's Sega everything but microcontroller. Everything around the microcontroller, but that seems <laughs> too long for a company name. Do you have a better suggestion, Rich? I well, mean, you, I, well, you have a 30-year history, so I don't think you want to be changing your name now. No, I think it's fine. You know, as long as it's still called Seger, if we go from Seger microcontroller to Seger something better, I think that'll work. So I'm open for ideas. All right. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Until I have a better idea, we'll just keep Seger microcontroller. All right. It's a deal. So I didn't want to imply that you were old, but you've been around for quite some time in the industry. And, and I'd, I'd like to get a little historical perspective because, because you've seen so much. So let's talk about some of the biggest changes that you've seen in your, I'm gonna say 30 years, I think that's about right. Um, what are some of the biggest things that have happened in 30 years? I mean, things have changed quite a bit. Uh, yeah, the company is 30 years old. Um, I do this type of development. So I started as a software developer and started with my own Arthos Emblems at the time, right? So I saw that I could use it in different projects. So I, I was just saying, if I can use it across completely different projects, so can other people. And that's how the whole company started. Um, and at the time, the internet didn't even exist. People in Germany were still talking about uh, that we need a uh, data autobahn. Right until they finally realized uh, that uh, the data autobahn is already there and it's called the internet. So things have changed uh, dramatically in the 30 years, and uh, the processes have changed. You know, when I started uh, a 78K0 8-bit NEC processor was still a, a great chip. Um, well, today people feel a 32-bit Cortex M0 uh, that runs only at 100 megahertz. What? That's that's too slow. So things have changed quite a bit, and it was uh, yeah, C com early days for C compilers. I mean, I, I could go on for the next seven minutes, but uh, you probably don't want me to. Okay, you know, one of the things we we actually talk about a lot is whether 8-bit is dead, and you just referenced an 8-bit MCU. In, in your eyes, is 8-bit dead or is, is there still some room for that? I think there's room for that because in, for some applications, small stuff, you know, that doesn't get any bigger. I mean, you want to control a solder iron or um, a remote control or stuff, you know, where that are basically completely developed and the, the, the program does what it's supposed to do. 8 bits is good enough. So I don't think you need 32 bits for everything. Does it hurt? Not really, because the additional uh, silicon space doesn't really cost a lot of money. I envision for some things, 8 bit would actually be more power efficient than 32. But um, yeah, short answer is no, I don't think it's dead, because in a lot of, uh, a lot of areas, 32 
you don't have a lot of benefit by having 32 but 8 bits as long as your address space 64k address space is all you need i think and you don't do you don't need the the, the computational power you're fine with 8 bits so the avrs and whatever and uh, will will stay okay here's another one for you i actually just had this conversation with somebody yesterday where people are too concerned about their rtos and there's so many applications where you don't even need an RTOS, but the industry has sort of brainwashed people to, to say you, you have to have an RTOS. What do you think about that? Well, I'm a little biased here, right, um, as an RTOS manufacturer, but the way this started for me, I developed my own RTOS, um, yeah, like some more than 30 years ago, and I've used it on, this, like, uh, on, on every project. So every, uh, even the 78K0, um, I've used it, and... Really, an Artos doesn't use many resources, but it makes uh, programming so much easier. So my view is use it in, a, uh, in, in every project. It doesn't cost a lot, but it makes it a lot easier. It makes it, uh, you, you, you can write cleaner pro um, programs, and especially when they grow. It, it just helps to keep everything clean. You don't have to have a super loop and stuff. I would use an Artos in anything. And to be clear, you would give that same answer whether you were selling an Artos or not. That is correct. Okay, I, f I find that pretty interesting. Okay, so the, th the things that have really come to light of, of late are the two things we talk about all the time are AI and security. Um, how are you guys at Sager looking at these two areas? Well, AI is not really our um, core field of expertise, but I, I find a lot of things that are whatever, pattern recognition and stuff. A lot of things that had different names are these days called AI. So uh, for me, the level where artificial intelligence actually starts is much higher. So uh, I'm not even sure we have AI and a lot of that stuff deserves the name. Um, but I mean, we are focused around microcontrollers. If our customers do uh, AI applications, good for them. But uh, we, we supply whatever they need to do that. Um, and yeah. security? Uh, security. I mean, security is becoming more and more uh, important, obviously. Right. Um, my feeling is um, that um, people, uh, there's, there's still a long way to go. And uh, a lot of people don't know how to make their devices secure. There's no uh, clear pathway. You know, you have all the uh, encryption algorithms and, and all of that. But with security, it's a bit like making your house safe. You want to make it um, safe so nobody can break in. There's no point in making the door stronger and stronger if you leave the window open. You have to make sure everything every whole every part of your application or the analogy every part of your house is safe and secure so and that's the hard part that's a lot of people don't know how to do that so it's still a lot of room to grow as sega we sell all the components and we're pretty good at this we use it in our own products i mean all the software we do we use in our own products right so the hardware products flasher i'm not going to go into any level of detail but the flashers and j-links they use our own software be the USB, the IP stack, or the RTOS, or the security. And interestingly, we had um, so we had problems with people um, in Asia, in Russia, and in various parts of the world cloning our J-Links in the old days. And uh, we didn't really like it. So uh, it was pretty clear we had to come up with an um, encryption scheme uh, that was... Um, um, based on the on the, on on the dual keys so
and that's what we did. Um, and uh, it seems so. So M secure, we're marketing that, and it works in the JLings, and even um, it, it seems it, it is uh, as unbreakable as uh, we uh, we expected it to be. Actually, we have a um, a Russian security company investigate, look into this, and they came to the same. Uh, Conclusion. There's an interesting article. I actually brought a blog article about this. So yeah, there are solutions, but in the in the general market, I think a lot of um, a lot of products have to go a long way. And interestingly, I don't think this the the problem is in the hardware. So uh, it, it's more in the software. You can make applications secure even on older processors. So you don't need the trust zone stuff. What you really need is the right software. Okay, you just hit on an interesting point that you don't need trust zone. Why? I mean, that's something that most people push really hard. Why would you say that? Um, because I feel that's not like our application is uh, um, M secure can make um, applications safe and secure without trust zone. Trust zone doesn't hurt, but I don't think it solves the problem. Interesting. Okay, that's great. So uh, we're almost out of time here. So one question for you, and I know you have a really good perspective on this. If you're a software developer, say one of your customers, what's the hardest thing? What's the thing that they really struggle with most and, and, and has not changed over time? The thing they struggle with the most. I mean, obviously it's software development in general, right? Because yeah, more specific, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking though. Is there one thing? Is, you know, maybe there's not one thing. I couldn't really uh, think of um, one particular thing. I mean, the software development process is the hard part, right? People think of the hardware and the hardware is the relatively easy part, but the software is really much more complicated. We see this in our own products as well. The hardware products are really software in a box. So 95% of the work is the IP, is the software. Um, but yeah, do they struggle with anything in particular? Um, not really. And you don't see tech support questions on the same topic over and over and over? Well, not really. If we see tech support questions on the same topic, we usually try to ask ourselves, like, what can we do to mitigate that? Is there, can we educate our customers? Can we make the manuals better? Can we make the API better? Can we have wiki articles about this? Um, so there's not really the, um, the same question. Uh, over and over again. I mean, there are some typical things like when you use an Atos, you might have a stack overflow, right? That hasn't still hasn't really changed. So pitfalls like that, but um, nothing that keeps uh, popping up over and over again. Okay, very good. Well, thank you, Rolf. I really appreciate it. Like I said, you have a really great perspective seeing that you've been around for a while and what you've been doing for so long. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. That was Rolf Sager, and as you know, he is the founder of Sager Microcontroller, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.